Hello, friends and neighbors. Finally get back with you here. I apparently quit doing this for like five days. Hi, thanks, dog. He's laying his head on top of my arm right now. Super helpful. I'm trying to hold a book and read my notes. But, good to be back with you again. I finally have energy again. Um, yeah, there's been like the last four or five days... I got around to where I might have had time to do this, and there was nothing left in the tank. Like, like nothing. I mean, also it was usually midnight, but that hasn't stopped me before, but... Oh, wow, there was... I don't know if it was just kind of... Doing all of these things kind of caught up with me a little bit. and uh, But now I've rallied and gotten used to the all the uploading and all the what-have-yous. I don't know, but... Whew. Okay, I'm back. So, here we are. It is the evening now of Tuesday of Holy Week. And I hope it's going well. Um, I thought, no, I didn't think. I hoped way back in the beginning that we would be, you know, this would be, this would be light at the end of the tunnel time. That we would be uh, about to be coming, I think the bishop said, uh, April 12th, which is right after Easter for the original uh, comeback to church date. Lol, that's not going to happen now. Uh, not through any fault of the bishops, of course. He didn't. He didn't. He had no way of knowing that was the best guess, optimistic guess. Uh, but we are clearly not there at all. Um, so our strange Lent will continue, and so we're going to have Lenten feeling in Easter still. But it will, in fact, be Easter, whether you whether you're ready for it or not. Whether it feels like it or not, uh, it will, in fact, be Easter. And uh, so take heart that the Lord is risen, or the Lord will be risen, the Lord will have had been risen uh, by that time. And so even if in the, in the immediate moment it doesn't seem that much has changed, it is the greatest difference in the world because Christ's having risen from the dead proves that there is victory over evil in the end, even if you have to wait for it in the short term. So there is hope there with Easter coming no matter what the world seems to be doing at the moment. In this Holy Week, uh, I mentioned this earlier, and probably in my, my homily on Palm Sunday, but uh, in general, I'm going to say it again, I think it would be very good to have a media-limited Holy Week. I've been doing this myself, uh, not in no media at all, anybody on Facebook can tell that, uh, but I've been consuming less media, trying to be you know put the phone down sooner, uh, whenever I eat, uh, which I usually honestly watch some sort of like engineering or video game sort of uh, YouTube videos uh, during lunch or during meals because they are, I think they're good kind of, it's not just mindless stuff, it's it's fascinating, I'm learning stuff. Um, but even those things, I've, I've put that away this week uh, to have a media limited holy week uh, so as to be able to focus more intently on what actually is happening this week. Uh, some other things... I would suggest even uh, media-free days entirely, uh, especially now we've had so much need to be on media to have our phones out and be watching stuff um, that we've gotten probably used to them being out of the time. Uh, I would encourage, you know, from now even going forward, pick a day of the week and no technology whatsoever, even if it means that you don't get to watch Mass that day. I think it's even worth it to that to have a day of no technology. And even now... If it's not a no technology day, uh, maybe just watch one mass and then have that be it. Don't watch every mass that's posted. Um, it, that you know seems like that could be a good idea. But even even doing holy things, you can have too much of it in a certain way. It's like exercise. 
Exercise is good, but if you spend all day every day exercising, that's not good. That's not good for you. So, err on the side of less in this case, um, especially because technology does tend to distract us uh, so much. Okay, enough of that. Other things, um, it's been weird around here at the parish, obviously. Um, fun things, though, we're, we are, uh, we got all of our locks re-keyed, all of our, our door locks redone, um, because it was a mess. Uh, half the locks, you'd spend, like, minutes of your day trying to get, like, jangle the key trying to get it to work, because, uh, it's like, you know, a 30-year-old lock, it gets used five times a day, so that's what happens. Um, but then new keys, new locks and new keys comes with the, the problem that we've probably all experienced. Your keys sound different and that's just weird. I mean, obviously it's not that important, but it's funny to me. It's one of those things that, uh, we don't think of very much and maybe honestly, maybe nobody cares but me. I notice that kind of thing a lot. When my keys sound different, like my car keys sound different or my, my sort of house business keys sound different. I notice it and it's. I even think if someone somehow reproduced the sound of your key ring from like 15 years ago, you would recognize it. If some, you know, you probably have had a different house or different car, different sets of jangly keys. We all change stuff over time. If someone had like recorded that or kept it somehow, or like you found an old key ring and you picked it up, you'd be like, oh, it sounds like my college house or, oh, it sounds like that apartment we used to have. Like, there's those, at least for me, those kinds of things, you know, get stuck in your memory. Or, like, the sound of the front door at your parents' house or something like that. Those little things get stuck in there, and they we don't even know that they're there until we hear it again and go, Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Right? You know, it's, and our life is, our life is full of best, I mean, let's be honest, audio engineers use this really well. That's what they do, you know. Apple's really good at this. I don't even own an iPhone and I know this stuff. Every sound their technology makes is specifically programmed to make you remember it and recognize it. Right? Think about it. If you hear a little beep or a buzz or like that pop sound or any of those sorts of technology-made sounds, you know exactly what it is and what kind of device it came from. Even beyond just iPhones and things like that, every company would love to have you have this mental registry of what things are. Church does this too, of course. Uh, you know, church organs, that's the sound you want. You want, you know, we, we, we identify a church organ with a prayerful setting. Incense, you know, bells of the consecration, uh, all kinds of things, you know, the, the vestments, it's all of that is designed with a holy purpose to remind us to lift ourselves to God, to, to, to bring us back to that moment. So, you know, it's not, it's human nature is what it is. It's nothing uh, that's been you know, made up by companies to, to get money out of us. They use it to get money out of us, but it wasn't made up by them. Uh, it's, it's just part of our human experience. But it's also just fascinating that changing one key on your key ring, it's like, well, this is, this is wrong. This is, this is what my keys sound like. Anyways, something that I find fascinating. A totally unrelated thing, I guess if you can, you can say this like sound, um, but not really. Uh, someone on a, on a Facebook post, I don't remember what it was, how it came up now exactly. They were talking about the, uh, the line, we've probably seen it in a poster somewhere, or heard it, 
uh, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. And there was a discussion that ensued. I don't think I was even in that. I think I was just reading it. Uh, no, I did make one post. Pardon. Uh, anyways, the idea of, well, what what is that? What does that mean? You know, and I think a lot of people uh, use that, probably even unconsciously, as an excuse to not have to use words to preach the gospel. I, I mean, I remember seeing that on a poster somewhere in my high school building, going, oh, good, yes. And I internalized it, and I didn't even have a, the, or couldn't have named this conscious thought, but looking back on it, I remember feeling a sense of relief that, oh, good, I don't have to actually do the the hard part of preaching the gospel like out loud. I can just like be a good person and that makes it okay. And I'm pretty sure that that mentality, uh, though not often explicitly stated, though sometimes it is, uh, is very, has worked down uh, deep among us where we, where a lot of us think, and I'm accused myself of, well, as long as I just do, do things right and kind of, you know, look like I'm doing okay as a Christian, uh, then it's all right. But it's uh, it's not like that. I mean that that phrase, in a certain sense, I mean the reason it's the reason it sticks in our head, the reason we we kind of like it, is because it does have a certain truth to it, right? If someone preaches the gospel but doesn't actually live it, we call them a hypocrite, and their words don't mean anything. And so it is necessary to live what you teach before you teach it, right? So what, what is the phrase? They don't know. They don't. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, which is usually it's meant about, you know, teachers caring about their students, but you can also frame it as if you don't care enough, care enough about the gospel to live it out, people won't care what you say about it, right? You'll, you'll be a hypocrite. Uh, but that's the, the positive meaning of it. That's what it sort of should mean if we're going to apply it at all. But I think we should be honest it usually gets taken to mean the other way, uh, usually subconsciously of, well, you know, I don't have to actually preach the gospel. You know, that's that's for them other people. Uh, but then the discussion thread got on to, well, what about those who preach the gospel? And I think someone mentioned street preachers. And um, it kind of got me thinking, well, is that really preaching the gospel? And... Some might argue, well, yes, it's the word of God being out there, and, and there's people who passing by who, who may not hear the word of God except for from a street preacher. And that, again, it's one of those things that it, it sounds nice at first, um, but I don't think it really holds water. I think those who do the street preaching, you know, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, French Quarter, New Orleans, literally on a soapbox or like a megaphone, that kind of street preaching. I think. I think they think they're doing a good thing. They, it's, I mean, there are, you know, shysters out there. There are people just out there to con you. I think probably many of them are genuinely convinced that they are doing God's work out there on the street corner. But it's worth asking, did Jesus ever preach that way? Oh, yes, of course they'll say he preached to the crowds. Yes, but. He preached to the crowds who were already following him. And they followed him because of his miracles. Jesus never once just shouts at people passing by. He's always speaking to crowds who are following him. And that is a, the important difference. People on the street, just on a soapbox, street preaching, 
which is, let's be honest, more often just street shouting. It's, it's more shouting about Jesus on the street than street preaching. Now again, there might be some good ones that people should come listen to, but for the most part, I think I'm on the right target here. Uh, that's not bringing people to the gospel. You know, Raise your hand if you've ever heard a street preacher shouting at you and gone, ah oh, yes, I'm going to reform my life now. No, it was a spectacle. You laughed. You maybe you stopped and listened. You laughed at it and walked on. It's also like Facebook comment arguments. Who's ever had their mind changed by by a discussion thread on Facebook? Yeah, nobody. So don't do that. Don't have ang- you know angry knockdown dragon arguments on Facebook because nobody's going to be converted by that. Everyone just makes fun of it and moves on. Don't be a shouty street preacher in real life or on Facebook message threads. But then it got me thinking, the next step of this, well, okay, if shouting street preaching is not legitimate, well then, well, let me back, because I say, during this conversation, I came across scripture in Alps readings that day. Uh, he will not dispute or raise his voice to make himself heard in the streets. It's a prophecy from uh, Isaiah, maybe, uh, but it's re- referring to Christ and how he does come like a gentle lamb. He comes, you know, in his passion, and as we're celebrating this week, when he's before Pontius Pilate of the Sanhedrin, he doesn't give big dramatic arguments. He doesn't shout at them. He could have. He would have been right. He could have called on angels to crush them all. He doesn't. He says not a word and goes uh, goes humbly and quietly. And he preaches by his actions a lot more than by his words. And so it's very clear that the Lord himself uh, never does the kind of aggressive preaching that sometimes gets taken for, uh, quote, preaching the gospel. But then it occurred to me, if those guys, or girls, probably sometimes, uh, on the soapbox on the street corner don't have legitimate authority to be preaching the gospel, who does and how does it work? How do they get that? Well, here's where I'm going to go on a Catholics do it right kind of thing. It comes down to a problem of authority. Because if someone's going to be preaching the gospel, they have to, well, they they are playing upon, they are intending to elicit a trust in them because of authority that comes from beyond them. That's what they're playing at. But few actually have that kind of authority. Well, where does that authority come from? That authority to preach the gospel has to come from Christ himself. He's, he's, the originator. he's the originator of it. He is the first one. It came from him, through him. It is him. He is the gospel. And so Christ gave those, he, he gave the gospel to be preached. Well, who did he give it to? He gave it to the church. And the church has bishops instituted by Christ. That's the structure he instituted. And the bishops give it to priests, they and sort of vicarious through institutions as well. So you can trust your pastor at your parish. Hopefully, he's a good preacher, but you can trust him as a preacher. You should listen to him as a preacher because he was sent there by the bishop. So under the bishop's authority, and the bishop gets his authority from Christ. So his teaching is trustworthy because it comes from Christ. What about people like professors at a Catholic university who are teaching the faith there? Well, the university is a body of the church, 
in more or less direct kind of ways. And so uh, those who are teaching there, theoretically, not always true, uh, are authentic teachers of the church because they are in their office because of their tie to the church. So they're, they're, they're preaching, if you will, maybe like a lowercase preaching you might call it, uh, be, comes from the institution who promoted them into that position. Um, but what about, okay, but Father, there are lay preachers, there are Catholic lay preachers, I know some of them, shout out to them. Um, what about them? That is a bit trickier, I understand. Um, a, hopefully they are living authentic, uh, faithful Catholic lives. That's a good That's a good foundation of authority. Um, that's the the ideal test of any preacher is, okay, you're preaching this, do you live it? Right? Because, like as I said in the beginning, if they're not living it, if their actions do not back up their words, they're a hypocrite. Now, that's the fear of all preachers, of course, is that, at least it should be the fear of all preachers, is that uh, we don't live up to what we preach. Of course, we'll always fail, but we should at least be trying, right? Um, but some folks don't even live up to that at all. They're Those are the ones definitely to avoid. Uh, who are just trying to get your money or something like that. But even then, what about faithful Catholic lay preachers? Their first authority, I think, really comes from just an authentically lived Catholic life. Uh, but also, even you know, maybe the ones that are, you know, especially make a living being a Catholic preacher, though not clergy in any way, at some point, they got their start by having been invited by a bishop, a priest, an institution that had authority, to give, you know, a small talk, like, you know, give a talk to our youth group. Hey, that was pretty good. Give a talk to this youth group. Hey, that was pretty good. Hey, and they get to, they get to be known. They have some position uh, where they're interested to, to speak frequently and then become a recognized speaker and people come to see them. You know, you, you hire them to come to your parish to preach a mission. They are entrusted by, empowered by the church, by someone in, in delegated authority in the line of authority coming from Christ to preach to you. And they've developed a reputation from that and therefore they are trustworthy. Whereas the random person on a soapbox in the street has none of that. They are self-appointed by their own desire to be a preacher. And that's a pretty weak foundation. Now those outside the Catholic Church will, will not like this argument, but I think it's pretty sound. Uh, it's always essential to ask, by what authority? On whose power are you doing this preaching? Because as Christ always says frequently in the Gospels, if I, to paraphrase, if I say how great I am myself, my testimony is not worth anything. But if others testify to me, then it's worth something. That's why the Lord almost never says outright, I am the Son of God, do what I say because I am the Son of God. No, no, no. He always says things like, you know, let my work show who I am. Listen to what the Father says about me. You know, let other things and other people testify to who I am. You know, he, says to, he says to Pilate and Sanhedrin, you have said so. He could easily say, heck yeah, that's me, I'm the Son of God. He doesn't. He says, you have said so. Well, what do others say about me? My works testify to who I am. He goes to almost to great lengths to avoid saying who he is, or what authority he has. And if Christ does that, uh, surely we should follow that example and always be deferring to uh, those who have empowered us, to those 
the authority that comes from outside of us, from beyond us. Uh, so, back to, if necessary, use words. Yes, preaching is very necessary. Uh, simply, in an ideal world, if everyone lived a perfectly saintly, holy life, yes, people would flock to the gospel without having to preach too much of it. It would be pretty automatic. However, uh, that is not the way nearly any of us live. And so, preaching is necessary. And even then, uh, to break through and explain the example, you know, what it, how does this person have this holy life? What does it even mean that they're living in holiness and virtue? So preaching is even necessary in that regard. Uh, so we should live holy lives. We should give an example, but also use the words because the words are necessary. But not everyone who uses words is using good ones and not even has the authority to use them. So when you listen to preaching, which is necessary, always ask, does this person have the authority to be preaching such things? Where does their authority come from? Because if it's not good authority, if they, if their own, if their authority is their own opinions, and not research, study, and most importantly, uh, a lineage from Christ Himself, then that's to be called into question, and may in fact lead you astray to trust things, to trust things in people who do not have the proper authority. In this world, these, in this world these days, oh, I hate phrases like that. Sorry. It is something that is difficult now to convince people that authority is to be respected it's often kind of a trendy thing to do or just the cultural assumption that authority should be uh, questioned and even rejected but if you always if you go down that path which is called relativism you end up with nothing if you say well i can't trust anything except my own thoughts you have literally only your own thoughts which aren't that good and so we do have to trust authority and the best authority to trust is christ himself who is God himself, from whom all truth, all knowledge, all goodness flows. So, when you listen to anything, hopefully it's good. Hopefully the life of the person speaking uh, mirrors what they are saying, does back up what they are saying. Pray for me that my life does that. Uh, but be cautious, be prudent, be wise, and uh, only listen to where you should be. Oh, 23 minutes. Wow. I didn't even talk about the chrism mass yet. That was today. Uh, it was interesting to not be there, to be watching it from home and doing sort of other stuff. I did uh, all the important parts at the, um, I mean, it's all important, of course, but uh, at the um, renewal of priestly promises and the uh, consecration of the chrism oil, I did go to the chapel with my laptop in my hand and prayed during those times to unite myself in prayer with the bishop there and to uh, be making my promises in the most public way possible, I guess. It was private, technically, but it was before the Lord, and that's a, that's a pretty good way to uh, unite myself to my brother priests. Uh, but it was uh, sad that we couldn't be there. Of course, very prudent and wise that we couldn't be there. Um, it does go back to this authority thing, though. Uh, because the chrism mass, during the chrism mass, we renew our fidelity to the bishop and to the church, from which our authority comes as priests. And so, uh, we fulfilled that necessity in our own lives to be good priests by being obedient to our bishop. And we, though at a distance from all of us, I did fulfill that today. And so, I guess I'm saying, you can trust us because we 
just even today, at the Chrism Mass, or during the Chrism Mass, a pledged devotion to our bishop. Okay, that's enough for now. I want to talk about St. Joseph eventually, because uh, he's been doing good things for me lately, but we're full up on time this evening, so uh, we'll bring on St. Joseph another day. Uh, he's a patient man, humble, quiet, he understands. He'll get, he'll get better treatment uh, to to be patient and, and wait rather than rush into it right now. So God bless. Thanks for listening. Sorry for the delay. Uh, I hope to get back to this more soon, but uh, whew, I was out up there for a couple of days. Uh, so pray for me, pray for each other, and uh, we'll make it through this. God bless you guys. Bye.